Alright, so you sure you're not going to rip me off with this? I, I'm not really good at cards. Don't worry, kid. Uh, I'll take good care of you. Sure. Uh, it's all reds, right? All reds will win, help me win? Yeah, sure. No problem. Definitely. Oh, boy. Um, either way, this episode contains adult language. Mature situations. Gambling law students. Russian mobsters. Five stacks of high society. Sleazy ex-cons named Worm. Johnny Chan. And Oreo cookies. Uh, listener discretion is advised. Do you want me to deal you in? How much money you brought with you again? Episode 76. Smoky Poker Rooms. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Spark and Movie Review, the podcast providing information and reviews about connecting enhanced narratives. I'm your host, Zan. And I'm your co-host, Zorro. Yes, back for another fun episode, and this is an episode he's been waiting for for quite some time. So, for those of you who are joining us for the first time, Welcome. Uh, you can check out any of our early episodes at www.spyrocon.com. You can email us at spyrocon.gmail.com. You can email Zorro at Zorro at spyrocon.com. Me at Zan at spyrocon.com. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and also, if you really are desperate, we're on Google+, and we're apparently on Friendster, but I don't think I've ever updated that since I started that in three years ago. Who knows? I don't fucking know. Anyway, we should get... so. For those of you joining us for the first time, welcome again. Like I said, I know I'm repeating myself, right? Never. That never happens. No, of course not. It never I mean, happens. Like, think about all the people who have Friendster. <laughs> hey, I could have been worse. I could have said, ask Jeeves. Well, what is the, I, there's what is it? There's, there's something called like high five or something like that with people or like um, uh, something mm-hmm. else. I, I have something that like 
people send me once while I'm like, what the hell is this? And like, I didn't even realize that I that I signed up for some stupid social network site that I. No, the only ones I know I've signed up for is I have my MySpace still technically. I know no one goes to MySpace, but you know I have MySpace. I have a MySpace too, unfortunately. I have it's Facebook. So bad, yeah. Facebook, I'm ready to get rid of. I like Go Google Plus, but the only problem is that no one's on there except for other people who are pretentious like me. <laughs> I'll tell you though, like. It's almost like illegal for you not to have Facebook. They said that in the whole world, one out of nine people have Facebook. If you see, let's say you go to Yankee Stadium and there's 50,000 people there, one out of every nine people have Facebook. That's pretty bad. In the whole world. Yet our father will never get a Facebook. Think about places that like they don't even have computers. But it's still, one out of every nine of those Indian tribe in like Zimbabwe have Facebook. Yes, and like I said, our dad will (laughs) never get Facebook. Yeah, but like... don't never say never because you know, <laughs> he said he's like I'll be know, dead he'll before be, he'll be email he'll be Facebook and be like oh poke me what I'm not poking anything <laughs> yeah I mean my, I mean my uh, my coworker uh, Frank uh, well ex coworker he no longer works at the job I worked at he was using it because we had a storm and he's like fuck you Sandy you ain't gonna kill me I'm still alive well I was I I I, I posted on my Facebook um. Uh, Wonder how many babies are going to be named Sandy in nine months? <laughs> no, I liked your other post better. I liked your other post better. Go read. Now, Ali with the Ali with us. What's going on, Ali? Go read. Ali from the forecast. Yeah, yeah. I like the other one. Where easily, he's like, so what are you? How are you keeping yourself cool, Ali? Swimming hole. <laughs> I'll tell you, that guy's pretty funny. Or what is it? Uh, so he's like, you want this puppy? No, Ali. Thank. <laughs> I got a puppy here. Got these TPPs? Yes, Ali. Enable cookies? Yes, bye. Why No, Ali. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, we should be talking about other things besides Family Guy. Besides that, I mean, um, one person actually, when I was at New York Comic Con, I heard a debate between these two guys about why there isn't a jack-in-the-box in New York. I looked at them like they were fucking crazy. I had it once, and it was not good. I'll tell you, I never had Jack in the Box. Well, no, yeah, that's, that's we, a we, lie. I did have Jack in the Box once. But, I mean, I'll tell you, there's something that's out in California called Carl Jr.'s. If you haven't had Carl Jr.'s yet, it's pretty good. It's like, imagine an Applebee's burger, okay? Like, like Okay. I want you to think of, like, okay, you get the 99-cent McDouble from McDonald's and the cheeseburger is the size of a sausage patty now. It's tiny and like, yeah. you know there's no meat there. And like by the time you're done with it, you're still hungry. Okay, that's a shitty burger. No, McDonald's. Sorry about that. I hope you advertise with us. But anyway, <laughs> that's not the best burger. Like you think of an Applebee's burger, you think of like a freaking half pound of meat. What about a Red Robin burger? Yum. <laughs> Red Robin will advertise with us. That Red Robin. Yum. yum. I just don't like... Well, so, we'll, we'll talk about that later. Exactly, we digress. But either, either way, what I'm trying to say is this. Is imagine a place where you get the speed of a McDonald's with the quality of an Applebee's for a burger. And then the price of a McDonald's. Okay, that's decent as opposed to the price of a Five Guys. No, no, exactly. Well, I mean, Five Guys is a different category. Five Guys, like... It's not an Applebee's burger, but it's a damn good burger. No, Five Guys isn't even. I don't classify it as fast food. I classify that as something else. It's a burger really? stand. No, I, 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 no yeah. I put it as a burger stand because of the fact that they only have burgers, fries, and hot dogs. They don't have anything else. You go to like McDonald's, you get chicken, you get salad, you go to Burger King, you get sandwiches, you get. It's like Five Guys burger, fries, hot dog. And soda. 
and soda, but still, it's like it's like it's like the, the a vendor. It's like street vendor. Are you gonna call street vendor a fast food restaurant? Like I have hala here. It's like he's like I have kalkulash. Is it kosher? Of course, my brother. This kosher. <laughs> Halal. So, I mean, I'll tell you, like. I, but they have some of the best food, even though I'm pretty sure it's unsanitary. I was about to say something where, like, I, I, I you know, what's funny about Five Guys? Again, we're supposed to be talking about rounders, but whatever. So the thing about Five Guys that I don't get, or I do get, but it's like, it's like Five Guys got stuck in a in a in a time warp with the um uh, in the '60s with like those places with the roller skates where the girls would come up to your car. No, those are like, Sonics, man. Like, well, I'm just saying, it's like it feels like. Five guys should be called Sonic, and Sonic should be called Five Guys because Five Sonic is like a garbage fast food place to me. Anyway, I no, I agree with you. I agree. with us. We're very sorry about that. No, I agree with you. I agree. Yeah. So whatever. But anyway, like so. Okay. Um. So these guys were debating about what, why there's no Jack in the Box here because we. This is where this conversation started from. Yes, exactly. Because we go on tangents all the time, but it was just my. It was just mind boggling because I mean I've had Jack in the Box. It's not good. Yeah. I mean In and Out is better than that, and In and Out is meh. But still, the point is you have better things than fucking jack-in-the-box. These people have never been like... They came all the way from California to New York to go to New York Comic Con, and they're talking about jack-in-the-box. I'm like, oh, man, there's no jack-in-the-box. Oh, I mean, shit, th- there's, I mean, what there's, am I going to eat, man? I got no food for like a week, man. Oh, no, dude. I, and, and, and right outside, you have freaking the vendors right there, 20 vendors. Two blocks from there, well, you, you have Skyline it, Diner. You know, like, think, honest, I contemplate this. You're in Jacob Javits, right? Yeah. In New York City, like 42nd Street, there's more food to eat than any place in the world probably. Yeah, there is. And it's like, oh, no, man, there's no place to eat. Oh, God, what am I going to do? Oh, no, oh, no jack in the box. Get your thumb out of your redneck ass and figure it the fuck out. No, it, it's crazy. And then you see people all going, I'm going to go to McDonald's. Yeah, and then you see like the, the line for McDonald's and Subways are out the know, fucking door. I, I have to say, I did watch Super Size Me the other day. That's why I'm kind of not on McDonald's. I'll be back to McDonald's and loving it in like a little while. That's, you know. No, I know. Saying. But still, there's more McDonald's per square feet in Manhattan than anywhere else in the whole world. It's something like, there's like 58 McDonald's on the island of Manhattan. I I believe it. That's ridiculous. Like, holy effing crap. That's like, wow. I believe it, but still the food, it's like, you know, there are other things that I ended up eating. Where did I end up eating? I ended up eating at the vendor. I ended up eating on this one place on 52nd. It was a Chinese restaurant. But here's the deal. Most places you go, Chinese restaurant, this is still in the conversation, you go. You have lunch combo, dinner combo. Lunch combo, $5. Dinner combo, $9. This place, lunch combo, $5. Dinner combo, five seventy-five with a soda. Nice. I mean, I'll tell you, like, that's what I was going to say. Food wasn't that good, but. He's like, Grace, Grace Papaya is still the best. You get, like, a hot dog and a soda for, like, two seventy-five. That's That's amazing. Yep, also, they had the, the other place, that Hell's Kitchen, that pizza place, where it's got the two slices of pizza plus plus a 12 ounce of soda for three bucks because now I saw the new larges when I was in the city it is so sad it is so sad it's like you come up here I want a large large is like 32 ounces 64 ounces whatever you go there a large 20 ounces it's like a cup of soda it's like and then a small it's like a shot glass I'm like so you do now a coffee too I want I want a medium coffee okay what the fuck it's a Dixie cup like, imagine, wait, wait, that's a large. Imagine what the small is. Well, no, this. <laughs> Give me the Kitty Courtesy cup. No, <laughs> no, no. It'd be. You, oh, we got tops for it now. Here you go. No, they get half of that. It'd be just like it'd be like they get a freaking medicine dropper. Just be like, bloop. Here you go. 
What the fuck? How much is that? Eighteen dollars? Oh yeah, I forgot. That's hey, better than Starbucks. Starbucks is freaking mad expensive, and not yeah. the quality is not that good there. But again, we digress. We digress a little bit. And for those of us who liked McDonald's coffee, McCafe, one dollar. Exactly. Or or Dunkin' Donuts, dollar thirty-two. Dunkin' Donuts, that's for the small $1.99 for the meat. Well, I'm a Dunkin'. Well, anyway, so we digress. We don't get paid for these people. So, either way, let's get into that part one way four, and that's the review. So, if you remember from the last episode of these Allegedly. Spot, allegedly. Alleged. Stuff allegedly. <laughs> allegedly, of course, everything we say. Take it with a grain of salt. So, from the last episode of the Spark and Movie Review, we rolled that one, that only, the Dodecahedron of Movies. Dodecahedron of Movies. Hit me again. Dodecahedron of Movies. We, oh. Yep, well, we rolled it. <laughs> yep. Hedron. You remember, I can edit all this out. You do realize. Oh, movie. It's dictated on this that we're reviewing a movie which you've been waiting for for since the second yes. episode we reviewed this. Because yes, you got the first one. You're like, the first one, you're like, I want to review. It's like, I don't want to review Flash Gordon. I want to review Monster Squad. After Monster Squad, it's like, I want to review this movie. I want to review Sweet. And it's been now. Probably two years. Two years. two years. Two years since that. But we finally got to this movie. It's a movie which came out in. I thought it came out in 2000. It came out in 98. Wow. It came out in fucking 98 back in the day. In September of 98. That back in the day. And that's probably why I like it. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. And also, I remember, I saw it in theaters with you. In theaters we saw it? We saw it together in theaters. Okay. And the thing was that the movie came out actually for $12 million. Wow. Well, it, it made $22 million in box offices. Okay. And it was directed by John Dahl. Who at first, like, is he related to Raul Dahl? No. This guy is a guy who does pretty much, he did one other live-action movie called Road Trip. Not the, not to be confused with the comedy. It's a different movie altogether. And he did a bunch of TV shows. And a lot of them, I think, are awesome. You got Breaking Bad on there. Uh, True Blood. Meh. He did do Dexter, which is an awesome show. He did a couple other shows. And, I mean, I'll tell you, we're going to go through this cast in a little while. And it's pretty... Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Cast like if you think about the people who are in this movie, it's very impressive. Like I mean, you think Matt Damon, Ed Norton, John Malkovich, John Totoro. But this is a little um, bit before they got really big, though. If you think about but it. But I mean, in the same sense, though, it's like they're all good actors, though. Any one of those people I just named could have been like the star of this movie, but they're all in the movie. And then there's the girl. Too. Um, oh, actually two you talk about Famke Jenkins, uh, Jean exactly. Grey from Famke Jenkins, who, who's actually pretty famous in her own right, and then there's actually the the the, the girl who's um uh, his girlfriend, who we, no one ever can remember her name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's not. She oh anyway, allegedly uh, she Gretchen Mole as Joe. Oh, okay, that's a name I've never even heard of, but she's. And we never but, heard it again. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> you know. Uh, but produced by uh, Ted Dam and Joel Stillerman. And it was written by a guy named Brian Toppleman. Okay. That would explain a lot of oh, why... Oh, yeah, good old Brian. I forgot no, Brian. but that would explain why a lot of the a lot of, a lot lot of of the lawyers who were there, they were very special. I think they were all kosher. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And we could get away with it, because oh, Grandpa... Yes, yes, forget about it. We could talk about such things. <laughs> yes, Oy, I remember back in the day. <laughs> we're so old. Oy, I got... I was schlepping up here yesterday. It's so hard. <laughs> but anyway, enough of that. <laughs> So this movie, as we said, is is Rounders. Yes, my and it's starring a bunch of people, including Martin Landau. I I thought he was dead until this movie. Yep, as Abe Petrovsky, professor. You had um, Malkovich, Malkovich. Yep, Johnny Chan. John Totoro. 
Yep, and all these people are all amazing actors, as you said. And this movie, for those of you who've never seen this movie, first off, either you're going to love this movie or you're going to hate this movie. Well, let me set a little bit of... Uh, I, one thing I like to do is I always like to, to give a little overview real quick. of what. No, I, 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 we are going to get into the overview, the, the synopsis, but I just well, want to say... Well, what, I just want to say one thing's in, and that's it. Like, Reservoir Dogs is one of, considered to be one of the greatest movies of all time. The reason why it's considered to be a great movie is that 90% of the movie is done in one room. And, like, that was the first movie to ever do that. And the reason why it's a great movie is because there are great actors in the movie, okay? The only reason why it was able to do so well is because you get so caught up in the dialogue and the story of the movie. It doesn't matter that it's only in one room. You just get caught up in the actual, like, you know, the acting. And this is one of those movies. There's not, like, you know big huge car chases there's not like blowing up buildings there's not like you know like it's th- it definitely takes place over more than one room but the whole idea of it the whole premise could have probably taken place in like it actually probably does take place in like only one or two major settings you know and that's it no I, no I agree and also it's a very it, it seems almost like a play almost where you could see this on Broadway as set up as just a play but it works Possibly, I think some of the changes would have been too difficult, but again, it's just something where, excuse me, I'm very sorry about that, but uh, it's it's mostly just the acting that really does it, but I mean, again, it's, it's because I'm very into poker, I love poker, it's one of my favorite things to do, and if you're like a, a person who follows poker, one of the cult following, like the, the Chris Moneymaker era, and that's pretty much where I came from, you know, then Rounders is one of your favorite movies because a it has to do a lot of poker, a lot of poker terminology, a lot of like, like they're not that many people who sit at a poker table for like more than eight hours and are cool with that. Like I'm one of those people that I'll sit at a poker table for twelve hours and want more. I'm one of those weird people. But if you're into that, if you're into good acting, this is definitely your movie. If you're not into that, that's what Zan was saying. You'll probably hate this movie. But again, that's just my little over. No, yeah, no, I agree, and I I'm someone who loves this movie. I think find it great. I mean, I'm not one of the religious followers that equate this with like the Big Lebowski words every year you have to watch this like five times I, I can watch it once a year I know enough of the movie and I do have my poker games during the summer yeah. but you know but there's it's I'm in the higher up so I'm in the I like this movie and also I know what a rounder is some people are like what the hell is rounder talking about what does that term mean I don't understand rounder just in case you want to know is just someone who literally does not have a job, who all they do is they go around from one poker game to another poker game, and that's their their way that they earn money. They, they earn their living. They're a rounder. All they do is they just go, and literally, like, if they lose, if they, like, get beaten in their games, that's it. They have no rent money. They have no bill money. They have no nothing. And it's, it's a very tough life because the thing is that, like, eventually, if you're gambling, that's one thing about poker. Every time, every hand, there's going to be a winner, there's going to be a loser. There's no, like, oh, okay, you did all right today. You know, it's just, that doesn't happen. So it's kind of, it's, it's a rough life. But, yeah. Yeah, no, it, it's it's rough. And this movie, unlike the other movie, which was done afterwards with Eric Bana, I don't remember the movie this name, where the guy was a rounder. He, like, lived in his, his apartment. He sold everything. Like, his whole furniture was a lawn chair in this big house in Vegas. But he was just a rounder. It was a... It was, I think it was uh, Burt Reynolds was the other character in the movie, but it was just a uh, wasn't done as well with the whole describing what rounders because that's what this movie really does show. It shows main characters, but we're we're getting ahead of ourselves now. If you want to break this down to a synopsis, it's about this guy named Mike McDermott. 
or is it McDermott? Mikey McDermott. And he's a guy who, at the beginning of the movie, he goes up against this big mob boss. With so again, a, he's playing poker, takes out all his money, thinks he can take this guy, goes down to the poker room, bets it. Gets his ass handed to him. Loses. And everyone wonders, what the hell is wrong with you, man? You were doing good. And he never really explains it. And then it, it kind of fast forwards, how many years? Like a year later? Three years later, and he's now completely different. He's given up gambling. He's dating a really cute girl. He's going to law school. Like, like he's he went from being around there, going around just gambling, just trying to like live that life, to like being the nine to five, working hard, trying to get like a different, like similar money, but in a different way. Rather than like you know have to possibly win, possibly lose into trying to have a consistent earning where he's always going to be in the positive, you know? Yeah, and he's still driving a delivery truck, which this guy uh, in named... interim until he graduates from law school. Yeah, and the guy's... Uh, Chris was uh, John Tadoro? John Tadoro, Yes, and he was his uh, his rounder friend who keeps saying, hey, I'm going to Atlantic City, you want to come? No, 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 no. He's, he's like an addict. He's like a recovering addict who just stays away from the lifestyle. Now, on the other hand, you have... He's straight and narrow, pretty much. Yep. And you have his friend named Worm, played well, this by... This is, like, this is, like, every movie needs, like, a catalyst that spark to actually get the movie going. And this is what happens. So he's on the straight and narrow. Ever since he's lost, he hasn't had the heart or, like, the desire to come back. And, like, the thing is this, is that his friend Worm gets out of jail. And, like, just like the, the name Worm is, the guy is, like, not the most straight, narrow, normal person. Like, he's sketchy. He's a little bit, like, on the, you know, opposite end of what you're supposed to do. Like, it's funny. It's almost like, just like every movie, there's a good and there's an evil. These two guys are on the opposite end of the spectrum. Like, Mike McDermott is trying to do the right things to better himself. Worm is trying to do the wrong things to worsen himself. Like, both of them are going in opposite directions, but yet, like, opposites attract, and that's how they are. They both came from, like, the same kind of background. What you find out is that, like, Worm did something for Mike so that way he can stay on the straight and narrow and now Mike feels that like he still owes him. So anyway, they this is how he starts off playing poker, doing what he has to do. Because he says, we'll go out, we'll just have one night. This guy told me about this party. Just like, you know, typical, like I said, a recovering alcoholic or drug act. He says, hey, we'll just go out, we'll have one drink, we'll be fine. And he starts playing more and more. Yeah, if you don't have a drink, just sit at the bar with me, it's not a big deal. Next thing you know, the guy's like drunk. But, like, instead of the guy being drunk, he's playing poker. He's doing everything he used to do. And, like, it's just like a junkie. It's like you, you, you put that needle in him and he got that feeling again. And, like, he freaking he won money. He did well. Like, he's just, like, and it's someone that was, like, de- deprived of this feeling for, like, three, four years. I know where it's, like, it came back, like, like a like hundred times. Yes, and he's suddenly forgetting things. Like, he shows up to class late and, like, wait a minute, what the hell are you usually on time? His professor, his girlfriend's like, what's going on? Why do you have a gangster role in your pocket? Uh, uh, nothing, honey. And she, and he's getting in trouble with his girlfriend. He's, things are starting to crumble a little bit. And his friends, the old friends, are like, hey, you're back, Mike. And it's that. And as this is going on, you have another problem where the fact is that Worm owed someone money. Yeah. Before he went to jail. Grandmama. Well, it wasn't... It's hard to have a gangster named Grandmama and be serious about it, but this guy's no joke. He'll break your arms, he'll break your neck, he'll leave you for dead. So, yeah. Grandmama owes Worm, like, five Gs. And Worm is the kind of guy that, like, if he has five Gs, he has negative five Gs. He just... 
He's like he's like the mush from from Bronx Tale. The guy always loses, always gets, always loses, always gets caught cheating, always does like never is on the positive. That's just how he is. Yep, and it's because he says that he owes was it fifteen? Fifteen. I don't. Yeah, he know. says like you have debt and you owe for three years, so it was fifteen grand is what you owe me, and you have five days to pay it off. So Worm freaking out goes to Mike. He says, "Mike, you gotta help me out. Um, we'll do this. We can do this together if we just do straight up." You know, just go to different games. So they go from Albany down to Atlantic City, going back and forth, trying to get this money, doing everything they can in order to to make sure that Worm doesn't get killed by these gangsters. But in the process, Mike starts becoming in trouble also. He vouches for Worm, saying he'll get the money, and then, like, they find out later that, like, the guy Grandma, like, it's bad enough to deal with one guy, but you can hide from one person. But then grandma becomes a partner with uh, a Russian KGB. Mobster, uh... KGB, and that's his name. His name is actually KGB. And um, uh, it's funny, like all of Mike McDermott's friends said, I told you, the one guy that you can't fuck over, you can't get in trouble, is with KGB. Because then, like, you have a whole network of people after you. You can't run away from that. And then, like, Mike is like, okay, well then, fuck it, I'll deal with it. But it's just, so his his friend. Got him way, way more trouble than it was worth. Even like he, he paid his debt in that, so I'll put it that way. Yeah, it ends up he owns, uh, what is it, at the end, of, before or anything KGB, else? by the way, is John Malkovich, who does like an awesome job in this role because he plays like a Russian this monster very, idiot. To, like, the, well, he's like an eccentric, crazy savant. Yeah, like if you think of like, I hate to say this, but some Russian people, they are a little bit flamboyant the way they act. They wear, like, the Puma jumpsuits and the gold chain sticking out, and that's kind of like... He doesn't wear a Puma jumpsuit, but in the same sense, he's, like, has an English, like, Russian accent, and he talks a certain way, and it's just, it's funny. He has this quiet, weird confidence about him because he knows, like, well, you can't fuck with me, and that's it. That's just how his attitude is. So, but the problem is, at the end of the day, they're all poker players. Like... John Totoro, Kanish is a poker player. Giant Chan's a poker player. Uh, KGB's a poker player. Mike McDonald's a poker player. Yep. So what brings them all together is the fact that, like, even though they owe this extravagant amount of money, like, let's say you owed $15,000, had to pay in five days, you'd be shitting your pants, most people. Unless you had that money saved up, like, who the hell's going to get $15,000 in five days? You might as well play the lotto. You know, whereas these people, like, if you go on a good string of poker, you can make that money. You can make that money in more in five days, which is, like, the only reason why it's, like, that's the addiction of poker, is that, like, there's no place else you can do that kind of thing in that short of a time. Yeah. You know, not blackjack, not any of the other ones. I mean, blackjack you could, too, but it's just something where it's, like, in gambling in general. But that's the thing, is that with gambling, you're supposed to lose. You're not supposed to. So it's like, mm-hmm. and, and well, anyway, it, it's just something where, like, you get to see the different aspects of poker. You get to see, like, the different um, uh, ways that uh, how people, the different levels of how good a good poker player is and how shitty a bad poker player is. And there's one point where, like, you know, Mike McDermott is studying to be a law student, and, like, he's doing late studying at night, and he goes into a room full of judges like these are and it's funny part of the scene is that he says these are some of the greatest um minds in the legal field that he knows of you know 
And he's like, but yet not one of them knows how to play poker. <laughs> and he goes down and he sits in one hand and he reads these five guys' cards like as if it's nothing. It's just something that he was like programmed to do. And it's weird. Like there are people like, let's say athletes who are just naturally gifted to, to be able to hit a ball or, or play basketball or, or, or run fast or whatever. And that's almost how it was with him. He was just like naturally gifted person. Like some people learn how to play poker well. Some people are just good at poker. Yes, and he, it's the difference between him and Worm. Worm is the one who learned the game, and he just is scamming it, and he causes more problems as it goes on. Like, he loses their entire money because he gets caught cheating. Well, that's the difference, too, is that Mike always plays straight up. That's part of his rules is no matter what, win, lose, or draw, I'm playing straight up. And Worm is a total opposite. Worm is the kind of guy that's like, he's so concerned about winning that he cheats most of the time. And he doesn't know how to actually play straight up. He won't win. He's just so worried that he'll lose that he's not willing to give up that advantage. Yeah. And uh, it, this leads to actually a lot of more goes on. And then the ending, which is a nice, it's almost a, it's a nice coda because he ends up evening out, but then he goes further. And I think that was a nice touch to it. Now, since it's over 10 years old, we can spoil it. I like the fact that he has that opportunity where he, they're evened out. KGB and him were evened out, and then he's like, he's like, he could, he could have left. He could have said, yeah, fuck you, I'm, I'm done. Yeah. So at the end, what he does is this: is he goes to one of his professors, asks to borrow money. So he borrows money from one of his professors. It's not enough to pay the guy by himself, but it's enough to give him a chance to sit at the table with some pretty rich poker players and try to win the money back. So with twelve hours to go. He goes into the lion's den. He goes into the guy KGB's poker room. And he says to him, he goes, I'm looking for a game. Now, the guy KGB knows that this guy owes him money in 12 hours. He could have just probably killed him then and taken his money, to be honest with you. But he entertains the offer. He goes, oh, okay. So you think that, like, you're going to beat me in poker. Come sit down and we'll see, you know. Sits down, lands up winning. Winning all the money that he's owed, Okay. But the thing is this, is that when you win all the money you owe to this guy, now you owe the person who you who, who you borrowed the money from to play this guy, plus he, he beat him originally for the amount of money that he saved up for his whole life. It was 30 so like, grand. And that's one of the things that KGB says to him. He goes, he goes you still owe me 30000 from the last time that I stick it in you because he screwed it because he beat him once already. So And, and Mike even says, he goes, oh, they're goading me. They're trying to get me to... to to, to play them again he goes but let's go he goes let's do it he said any any um uh, and, he, and he, he goes back and he starts playing and it's funny because he was even and then he starts losing and when he's losing he's like shit he goes oh no I should have left I should have. he's thinking about what he should have done because again in poker like I said there's a winner there's a loser but anyway <clears throat> make a long story short he lands up taking all that money and then just winning and, and doubling that money so now he has what he originally lost to the guy, whatever it was, three years ago, the money he owed plus the money that he owed to the um, uh, to the old man who he borrowed from. And that's the end of the movie. So it's something where it's like it really goes full circle. You see everything. You see the different poker rooms. You see, like, what happens to gamblers when they win and when they lose. Um, how people are still honorable and how they still have their debts that they pay back. It's just it's a good movie. Yes, and you see the difference with friends who are worth sticking by and friends who just are going to screw you over. Yeah, there's an old saying that I actually believe in my life. Who you surround you with, who you surround yourself with is who you are. 
So if you have a friend of yours who you know is not like that good of a person, but you're always with that person, then guess what? Most likely, like if your friend smuggles guns, okay, and you're always with that person, guess what? If you're always with that person, they have stolen guns in the back of their car. If they get stopped by the cops, they're stolen guns. Guess what? You're smuggling guns too. That's just how it is. It's something where like you are who you're with. Right? If you're always hanging out with priests and you're praying half the day, then guess what? You're a godly person. If you're always hanging out with like hookers, you know, <laughs> guess what? You're probably a hooker. Like, or you're a John. <laughs> exactly. It's one of the two. It's just something where it's like, like who are you? And it's funny. I really want people. It's funny. You should think about this. Whoever you hang out with most of the time, that's probably who you are. If you're hanging out with nerds, you're a nerd. Hang out with jocks, you're a jock. Hang out with 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 you know whatever it is, preppy people, you're preppy. It's just 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 your personality, you know. Yeah, but, no, I agree. I agree with you too. And it's just that's it defines you who you are. But the thing is, you can't let that be a thing. And that's what Mike does. He doesn't let the fact that he hangs out with Warm be who he is. Yeah, he, he defines himself. He eventually says, nope, that's not who I am. I'm going to do my own thing. We have to go our own separate ways. You know, even though I owe this thing to you, our debt is paid, we're even done. That's Peace, it. and then so, you don't know what happens to, to Worm. After that, 100%. So what is your favorite scene in this movie, just out of curiosity? Um, my favorite scene? There's so many good scenes in this movie, it's really hard to describe. My favorite scene is probably when you realize why he wanted to do it like the, the funny thing about this movie and like there are very few but there's some other shows that really use reality too like um uh family guy we kind of mentioned family guy in the beginning of this whole entire thing um and family guy sometimes they have real people on family guy as like guests as like cartoon guests yeah yeah they have them as guest stars exactly as guest stars um family guy or in, in rounders they actually have the real johnny chan make a cameo appearance in this movie where Mike McDermott, the fake actor, is playing against Johnny Chan, the real poker player, the real poker champion. And for those of you who don't know who are the, he was a one major winner. Who, one of the few people ever to win the World Series of Poker twice back-to-back. There's like three people or four people who have ever done that. World Series of Poker is the biggest poker game that there is in the whole year. Just like Baseball World Series, is called the World Series of Poker. And he won it twice two years in a row back to back when the only people ever to win it twice and then to win it back to back it just at that time he was the best poker player there was anyway in this scene he plays Johnny Chan and the thing is this is that when you're a poker player you don't always have to have the best hand to win it's whoever outplays their opponent in this particular scene he bluffs and he makes Johnny Chan give up his hand and wins he beats Johnny Chan on a bluff it just shows that he literally at that one hand outplayed the world's best poker player but then like think about it it's only one hand and like one hand is not a big deal but to them like to, to people who, who, who think like oh well this guy's always the best he's always awesome like his head got big and that's the problem is it realizes you still have to stay grounded you still gotta stay true to yourself true to your game but anyway that's probably my favorite scene because it's like you know it's a real scene in a movie like that's fake that's it's, it's pretty cool so yeah yeah no um, I think the well I have a couple of favorite scenes, but I think that the most shocking or the most surprise scene was the scene when they're playing the game against the police officers. This is before they lose all their money because of Worm, and they're playing, and he's actually winning legitimately, and they just see Worm show up. You're like, what the fuck? Yeah, I mean, in that one scene, I almost was thinking, like, it's funny, because you ever, 
I think everyone has seen themselves in the movie go, oh no, oh no, run, run, get away, the man's coming through the door. Like that. That's one of the scenes I'm like, no, get up, get up, leave, no, he's going to fuck it up, no. He's a voice. Like, that's kind of how I Yeah, because the thing is, it was like almost like he said, look, get away, I don't want you to screw this up. And he ends up screwing up anyway. You're wondering, how the hell did he, was it just how random? How the hell did this idiot come and screw something up that was like almost done, almost in the bag? But anyway, that's how it was. But, um, uh, but there's that scene, and then the other scene is when they actually go to AC. And he's he's commenting on the guys like these are the guys who only come here for vacation and it's and they sit down at the table with all the rounders are just sitting there and it's one guy who's like it's a it's a fish am, a fish among sharks. Yeah, I mean, I, and I'll tell you that's one thing about rounders it is it is an educational movie if you if you do one and I don't want to say educational you're not gonna like learn that much from it, but in the same sense it will. Um, teach you one or two things about real poker like about like how serious some people take this game so yeah yeah it's it's a really decent movie and i just think i i th- could see why it's the cult status it's reached the soundtrack is surprisingly non-existent which i like because what new guy or ng said in a while ago and i agree with him is the fact is you have two ways a soundtrack can work either it's gonna be bombastic way over the top that works with the film or it's non-existent where it just it accentuates. It just adds a little to the atmosphere, but it isn't overpowering. And that's what it is in this movie. It just kind of just adds a little bit here and there. It's not too crazy. You agree? Disagree? Or I would say that's that's perfect. Is it's one of those things where it's like you don't notice the music there. But I always tell people if people don't notice the way you dress, that means you dress perfect. Because the thing is, this is if you dress ridiculous like if you look stupid people can say oh my god did you see the way that, that person dressed okay or if you dress too flashy people are like oh my god the way that guy dressed too flashy well if someone said like well what was that person wearing i don't know it sounds stupid to say that but like that means you dress perfect because no one even noticed what you were wearing because like what you dressed was like just in the norm it was just normal and it's like that's kind of the way that like this music was is there's definitely music in the movie in all different scenes but it, whoever did the music just made it so it made the movie better, so that you notice what the what was going on more, and that's perfect in my opinion. So yeah, yeah, because you didn't want to focus on the other thing; it's you want yeah. to focus on the dialogue. This is, I and would that's say, kind of why I hate to interrupt you, Jim, but that's kind of why I said that this movie is really one of those movies where there's, I mean, there's fights, there's things going on, but there's not like car chases with cars blowing up and guys just not a mission impossible it's not like this movie you really like get involved in the acting and what's going on in the scene and like that that's why it's it's a it's an awesome flick oh yeah you know it is it is and uh, compared to some of their other works that these guys have done i mean look at american history x look at um what's a matt damon one uh that was really good brain stopped right now and i'll edit this out but uh <laughs> Matt Damon has a lot of different movies. Goodwill Hunting. Um, uh, yeah, we'll say Goodwill we'll, Hunting. Let's say the the Born Supremacy movies. No, we'll say um, more characters like uh, Goodwill Hunting, and then you have uh, John Malkovich. We'll even throw in being John Malkovich or one of his other movies he's done. These actors all have really, they're really good frontmen, and when you put it together, it's like painting a great painting where it just blends together right it just it's that right mix of this that and the other thing to make that perfect blend and uh yeah, i think another thing too is that like a lot of these actors kind of stepped out of their roles when you think of john totoro like a lot of times he's like a funny guy like in um uh you know 
what's the movie with Adam Sandler that he does where he's like, oh, Mr. Deeds. Mr. Deeds, John Turturro is a butler who's running around trying to smell his feet the whole time. That's a funny scene. In um, uh, um, Transformers, John Turturro is a crazed, like, alien life form, like, um, secret service guy who's, like, nutso, you know? And that's, he's, he's playing a funny guy. He's playing comic relief in both those movies. In this movie, he's not comic relief whatsoever. He's, like, the guy's, like, father figure who's trying to tell him right from wrong and what not to do. But yet he does a great job at it. John Malkovich, too. John Malkovich is normally, like, you know... Um, he's all over the place. actor. And this time, he's the comic relief. You know, John Malkovich... For, I mean, no, I mean, he is all over the place. But for the most, most part, he's, like, in a serious acting role. Yeah. In this scene, he's joking around. He's, he's loose. He's, he's playing, like, the comic relief person. So it's funny, like, how they both kind of, like switch their roles around and like Matt Damon is still Matt Damon but Ed Norton also is usually like the the, the serious like kind of you know um I don't know how to say it, but in the lead actor role whereas in this this movie he's like the backup actor and he's kind of like the, the, the like always screwing up whereas most of the time he's like the person who's who's in the reverse so he's the guy who screwed up and is trying to better his situation exactly. this one he's the one that I don't care I'm not gonna. I'm not forgiving myself. I'm not gonna. I'm the one who's just gonna mess everything up for. And I don't give a shit. He's unapologetic at all, and this and that. And uh, other thing is with Malkovich, he has. He's more the comic relief, but he still has that sinister side where you know something is oh, no, like, that foreboding. Like he's definitely the bad guy in this movie. There's no question about. It. Like even though like there's some joke and there's some this and that, there's no misunderstanding at all. That like you know, you'll end up in the back of my. My, my my poker room in a in a in a garbage bin. <laughs> yeah, it's down, it's crazy. But, um, um, yeah, but I mean, there's not much else we could say. So for those who don't know, we have a five point rating system. I'm guessing you're gonna get this really 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 fucking cool. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those movies that I purchased this DVD twice, just because one time the DVD started skipping and I got pissed off I didn't want to see a skip movie so I purchased it again I may have purchased it three times believe it or not let I'm me not guess you're going to buy it four so, times when the, we get a Blu-ray player well again probably it's one of those movies that's like for me it's must have in a collection it's I wish I could go see it in the movies right now if they redid it again um, it's just one of those movies that when I'm like in a funk or whatever I'll throw it in and I'll watch it and like it's weird like every single time you watch the movie there's something else that you pick up it's just one of those things that it never gets old no, I agree. I, I, I usually this is not my usual film. I'm not gonna lie. I generally am not a fan of more serious dramas. I mean, I love character pieces, but I generally put like this type of drama film with things like Boiler Room, where it's like it's much more. It's Which a is also one of my favorite movies. It's a little bit. It's a little bit too heavy for me. But the fact is, I love this movie. I really do enjoy it. I find it fascinating, just the whole character study. And also, I just like the way it's completely just, it's this ingrained, almost allegory towards just uh, one of the quotes that's not my favorite quote that uh, Matt Damon says is, we can't run from who we are. Our destiny chooses us. And it's kind of just this huge thing of how that's true. It's how you... You make it happen. It's not you don't just sit down and pray it happens. You have to make it happen. I mean, he kills himself trying to do it, but you, you see what I'm saying? Or am I completely well, I, making I, no I, sense? Well, I think what Zan is trying to say here is this, is that there's deeper 
meaning to this movie than just a guy playing poker. And there's stuff in the movie that, like, gives you themes for just life in general. Um, I know that we usually say it a little bit later, but I'm actually going to say my um, uh, favorite quote right No problem. Um, my favorite quote in the movie. I told Worm, you can't lose what you don't put in the middle. Deal. But you can't win much either. You know, and that's the thing is that in life, you know, if you don't sacrifice something, then you can't lose it. But without sacrifice, there's going to be no gains either. And that's the thing is that, just like you said, you can't lose what you don't put in the middle. And that's a poker term because unless you go all in, you can't see if you win or not. But without going all in, you can't double your money either. You can't see what you can get out of it. And I think that that's one of those things where Zan is talking about where there's deeper tones than just playing poker, you know, is that without sacrifice, there's no reward. So, yeah. Exactly. That's the point which I was trying to make. And sorry if I sound like I was a complete idiot with that, with my statement. But, hey, it's been a long day. You know, nope. But either way. Um, so with that in mind, remember, you can check us out at www.spyrkin.com. You can email us at at gmail.com. Me at zanspyrkin.com. You at zorospyrkin.com. or on Twitter under Spyrkin Movie. Yes, we're on Spyrkin Movie. It's a miracle. You can check out our Twitter feeds, our Facebooks, and all the other information. We're all on there. Uh, remember to check out our Amazon store, amazon.com forward slash shops forward slash Spyrkin. We sell a lot of the stuff we review. And that money goes back to us so we actually can, well, pay for things like new mics, which as you probably have guessed, I'm using a new mic. Yes. Sounds a lot more. I used it actually from when I sold a bunch of stuff to one John Sasser. John, as Sass Master General, thank you. You paid for this new mic. Thank you very much. You're the man. Anyway, all right. In saying that, I got some shit I got to do. So I'll yep. take care of you guys later. And um, uh, can't wait till our next movie review. And this is Zorro. Have a nice life. And this is your host, Zan, for the Spark and Movie Review. And since my favorite quote from 1998's Rounders is going to be... <laughs> the fuck you know what we all got? Summer clerkship in your office says I know what you're holding. I don't bet with jobs like that. Let's just say I'll put you at the top of the list if you're right. Okay. <clears throat> well, you were looking for that third three, but you forgot that Professor Green folded it on 4th Street, and now you're representing that you have it. Um, the DA made his two pair, but he knows they're no good. Judge Kaplan was trying to squeeze out a diamond flush, but he came up short, and Mr. Eisen is futilely hoping that his queens are going to stand up. So, like I said, the dean's bet is $20. Well, kiss my ass. <laughs> kiss my ass. <laughs> What'd you have, babe? Nothing but a busted straight. Oh, come on. It's good enough to win. Take it. <laughs> All right, kid, your first assignment. Pull up a seat next to me. Oh, I'd like to. I can't. I can't. I don't play cards. Get out of here. We'll see you tomorrow. Okay, tomorrow. Yeah, it's a long quote, but it's pretty quick. Anyway, so we're right, going to catch yeah. you next time. Peace.
sit on the pile, piss the sky. It's like I think I'm sick of cocaine. But I'm, I gotta feel like it's running in my veins. Just checking it up, baby, one more time for you. Checking it up until the pile hits the sky.
After all, I am paying you with your money. What'd you say? Your money. I am still up uh, 20 grand from this last time I stick it in you. They're trying to goad me. Yeah. Trying to own me. But this isn't a gunfight. It's not about pride or ego. It's only about money. I can leave now, even with Grandma and KGB. And halfway to paying Petrovsky back. That's a safe play. Joey Kanish is a New York legend. He's been a rounder, earning his living at cards since he was 19 years old. What are you, uh, holding on for somebody? Uh, yeah, I'm holding for you. You should be. Because <laughs> I hope you're not thinking of putting all that glimmer in play. He's as close to a friend as there is in this place. Come here. But tonight, I don't want to see him. Hey, you don't want to butt onions with these guys. They'll chew you up. I'll take your whole bankroll. That's what you say. Well, there's plenty of easy games. We get out of here, get some coffee, ride over to that soft seat in Queens. I know what I'm doing. You're making a run at it, aren't you? Rolling up a stake and going to Vegas. All right. Right? I can beat the game. Maybe. Maybe this is a game can be beat. But you know you can beat the 1020 at the Chesterfield and the high low at that goulash joint on 79th Street. Okay. I understand. I understand. Back to battle. 
The game in question is No Limit Texas Hold'em. Minimum buy-in, $25,000. A game like this doesn't come together often outside the casinos. The stakes attract rich flounders, and they in turn attract the sharks. No Limit Texas Hold'em is the Cadillac of poker. Each player is dealt two cards face down. Five cards are then dealt face up across the middle. These are community cards everyone can use to make the best five card hand. The key to the game is playing the man, not the cards. Bet an eight ball. There's no other game in which fortunes can change so much from hand to hand. A brilliant player can get a strong hand cracked, go on tilt, and lose his mind along with every single chip in front of him. This is why the World Series of Poker is decided over a no-limit hold'em table. Some people, pros even, won't play no limit. They can't handle the swings. But there are others, like Doyle Brunson, who consider no limit the only pure game left. Like Papa Willenda said, life is on the wire. The rest is just waiting. Fascinating. What's the limit here? That's twenty dollars. Good. Okay. It's twenty. You've seen half the hand. How the hell are you betting into us? We know what we're holding, and we know what you're holding. The hell you know what we all have. <laughs> ah, well, you were looking for that third three, but you forgot that Professor Green folded it on Fourth Street, and now you're representing that you have it. The DA made his two pair, but he knows they're no good here. And Mr. Eisen is just futilely hoping that his queens are going to stand up. <laughs> Kiss my Take butt. it down. All right. Take a seat next to me. I want to, but I don't play cards. How can I concentrate with you looking like that? I'm really late. Oh, Come on, I'll be really quick. You won't feel a thing. <laughs> For the last two years, Mike McDermott has been doing the sensible thing. Explain the holding in the Luther Campbell case. That look might induce me to give you a passing grade, but unfortunately, I'm not the one grading the exams. But his best friend just got out of jail. I can't believe you still know someone called Worm. He's like my brother. You domesticated yourself for this girl. And needs someone to lean on. I need money. I gotta get together some roll here. I consolidated your outstanding debt. 25 grand and still running. What I did was go partners with an old friend of yours. We do what we used to do, man. You find the games, you scout them, I sit and I mop them up. Michael McDermott. I knew you'd be back. Last night, I sat down at that table, and I felt alive. Beginner's luck, huh? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I was getting all these great cards. I took every dime he had. My blood was bubbling. My skin was tingling. I like being here. I could stand. I was James Colburn in the Magnificent Seven throwing knives. The fellas notice how he wins every time he deals. Hold on there. Whoa! The guy's a cheat. Right now, he's ruining your reputation. If you don't give my money, then you are mine. I vouched for the wrong guy, so now it's on me. But I can't stay for this. For what? To watch you go all in again. You didn't leave yourself any outs. You can't run from ourselves. Our destiny chooses us. Deal. Matt Damon, Edward Norton, John Turturro, John Malkovich, Gretchen Maul, Famke Jansen, and Martin Landau. Rounders. <laughs>